0: You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
1: Isn't this nice mild weather for the start of October really lovely? And of course, there's predictions that were in line for a very little bit of an Indian summer because temperatures could go into the low 20s by the end of this week. And I was looking at weather predictions right across Europe. It does look like parts of Europe are the temperatures are really uh, going to get up high, well high for October and we're kind of on the tail end of this little bit of an Indian uh, summer and we could go into uh, the 20s uh, but Paris for example, they're expecting next Saturday Paris uh, to hit highs of 26 degrees. Now Paris is important for us the Irish because Paris is going to be where the Irish rugby team are facing Scotland, that's the final game in their World Cup pool so they the lads will be sizzling on uh, Saturday and of course a number of Irish people will be travelling to Paris to watch the match so make sure if you're going that you bring your sunscreen uh, with you but temperatures during this week going to be between 16-17 degrees uh, Celsius that's above average for this time of year but it's as we head to Friday things are really going to get a little bit warmer Uh, sunny spells Friday sounds like a delightful day with sunny spells um, by Friday evening and Saturday is going to be particularly warm and they're predicting the temperatures could be in the low 20s. <laughs> We'd have taken that in August, wouldn't we? But then it turns cooler on Sunday. So it looks like it's going to be a very short, sweet Indian summer, but we'll take any fine weather we can get. John Paul's taking your calls today. If there's anything you want to share with us, 0818 103 103, and texts and uh, WhatsApps eight six two one oh three one zero three and I want to start with this and since be a number of stories in the papers today about uh, rte but one of them is with regard to the teletext uh, service airtel and i 've already had a WhatsApp in this morning from somebody who's very disappointed to hear that RTE are closing their Airtel service next week. Claire says a lot of people get their information from this including my partner who doesn't manage and doesn't have a smartphone. Always considered this service to be part of the TV licence, the €160 euro that we pay every year and this was the announcement that was made yesterday by RTE and that they the Teletech service Airtel will close next week. It's been 40 years, would you believe, in uh, service. It first went on air. Now, it was an experiment initially back in 1986, but then it became so popular they formally launched it a year uh, later. Now, it has been running digitally since 2019, but it has been switched off completely Thursday week the 12th of October. The service provides up-to-date news as Claire is saying her husband gets up-to-date news from it. It also gives you the TV schedules, the sports scores Um, and I didn't realise this but it gave television viewers the option of watching shows with subtitles included. I wasn't aware of that so the deaf community certainly would have benefited from that. It's also provided updates obviously throughout the COVID-19 pandemic but the broadcaster says its closure has been planned and they say that it got planned in a strategy that was announced back in 2019. So this day has been coming. It said the decision in part of its ongoing and necessary evolution in the public service media organisation. They also say that resources previously allocated to Airtel, will now go towards improving their online service. It also says that continuing the service was actually becoming more difficult and it seemingly this is down to less support technology been available. It said that many of its technical components are no longer supported by the manufacturer because I suppose it's a, it's a, an out of date technology and that more elements are due to be lost later on this year so they're kind of finding it harder to keep it going. Last year the introduction of the Online Safety and Media Regulation Act that meant that the broadcaster was no longer legally required to provide a teletech service so I suppose that ties in with Claire saying I thought you know we pay our television licence and that was part of it it was part of their legal remit but that changed uh, last year, RTE says those that have any queries about the withdrawal of the service can contact them via email info@rte or they can uh, ring them. And they're saying that this will ensure that Airtel users know where they can find information that they may have previously accessed on this platform. But I think uh, Claire has has a good point. If somebody hasn't made that full switch to digital and doesn't have smartphones, or as the Airtel was available on their TV, they may find it hard to be able to access the information. But it got me thinking. I and mean, I to be honest, I didn't even realise that Airtel was still there. That'll tell you how long ago it's been since I ac- accessed it. And I was also taken aback to discover it's there for, for 40 years. I certainly remember when Lotto first uh, started, and like, well, we didn't have the internet where you could just do a quick Google search of the Lotto numbers if you missed uh, if you missed them being called. Uh, Airtel was great for that, and it was great for getting uh, sports uh, results. And obviously, um, it was it was. News. Don't know how up to date the news service was, but I certainly would have accessed news on it uh, over the years. But it is to go. But I'm interested are others like Claire's partner, were you, are you still a regular user of uh, Airtel? Or what do you remember of the Teletech service, uh, Airtel? What did you most use it for? Uh, but interested for, to hear, particularly from people who perhaps are uh, still using it. But just staying with uh, RTE. RT has come out as the most unpopular and least trusted company in Ireland. It's according to the Irish Consumer Experience report. It has come last in a list of leading brands and it has recorded the biggest fall in its customer experience score down 17% while trust in RTE fell by a massive 25%. The poor results obviously has come in the wake of the Ryan Tuberty pay scandal. But it seems, it's not just, you can't point the finger at Ryan Tuberty, he's not the only reason customers have given their distrust in RTE. Other reasons, and the people who were surveyed included, the regular showing of repeats, that really does annoy uh, people and others said, and were complaining about issues with the RTE players. Others to see their rankings fall significantly in this annual customer experience uh, report included Ticketmaster, uh, NCT and Amazon who were among the worst performers in the survey. It's 150 brands and the research was carried out by Amorok Research. 85% of brands improved their score with supermarkets, pharmacies and health insurance companies among the leading performers and the Irish Credit Union. They emerged as Ireland's undisputed Uh, champion when it comes to customer experience, not only claiming its position for an unprecedented ninth time in a row, but they also improved their score and they've widened the gap uh, between it and its rivals. Now others to do really well was Paris City. They recorded the second highest score for the positive impact of its staff and they broke into the top ten for the first uh, time. Uh, The company is followed by Smith's Toys Store and uh, Specsavers came in in fifth place. Other customers to Farewell, Leia Healthcare, they were in sixth. Uh, M&S, Simply Food, love their ads, they're in ninth place. And Dunn's came in in 10th uh, place. Now, the author of this report said the main reason that credit unions are so successful at delivering customer experience excellence on a consistent basis is because they're embedded in the community and they're focused on driving change to meet the customer's needs rather than driving change to make their organisation more uh, efficient. Um, the, the report's author said that the fallout from the RTE pay scandal demonstrates why trust is the most important element of customer experience. Trust is at the heart of every customer interaction and without trust, there simply is no customer relationship. Uh, Also, the report points out that that kind of trust is built over time and therefore should never be taken for uh, granted. And another organisation who performed particularly badly and fell down the table to 138th was the National Car Testing Service. Now, the obviously the people who took part in the survey uh, were asked to give their reasons. They said the unavailability of tests, the backlogs and the long delays they were the most common issues cited. NCT uh, according to the report needs to review its booking, needs to review its communication process from a customer perspective and needs to consider innovative ways of dealing with the backlog which have mounted up. They are another organisation which needs to rebuild trust with the customers so RTE are not on their own. NCT needs to start Building Trust and just staying with RTE a third story and this is to do with the Late Late Show and we mentioned the Late Late yesterday because we had kind of a mixed reaction some people I think everyone's very happy with Patrick Kielty, but everyone's not happy with the way the new format of the show is and of course it is on Mondays around lunchtime that they reveal the viewership figures for the for the Friday night uh, show and the viewership figures are cooling considerably. Uh, viewers are turning off in their thousands and we're only into week three. Last Friday's episode uh, drew an average audience of 486,000 viewers. That compares to week two where the average audience was 548,000 so a 62% drop between week two and week three of the Late Late Show and of course they had a massive on the first show 934,000 people tuned in but you know we spoke about that a lot of that was to do with the curiosity factor and everybody knew that the first uh, the very first late late with Patrick Keaty was going to draw a huge crowd but it was hanging on to them and keeping them so uh, week 3 486 I was looking up at Ryan Tuberty's his average was around the 453 so he's a little more than the average for what Ryan Tuberty was doing on the late late but looking at Ryan Tupperty's figures and Patrick Keelty's figures uh, so far uh, they really have a long way to go to get the average audience that the legend that was Gay Byrne. his average audience every week was between 700 and 800,000 every week now what you could say straight away there was as well we people didn't have a lot of choice there was a huge sway of the country that only had RTE1 and then uh, Network 2 uh, came on uh, but there wasn't a lot of choice now I know people in Dublin at the time, they had cable and they were able to access the BBCs and the ITVs, but for the rest of the country, all we had was RTE. So that would have contributed to Gay Byrne on top of, I think Gay Byrne was, everyone will accept, uh, including all of the the three uh, people who have presented it since. Everyone will say he was the legend and it was very much uh, his uh, show. But this week, our viewers are set to see Patrick Kielty host his first ever Late Late Country special. Now that should give him a bump in figures because that always proved extremely popular during Ryan Tubridy's reign. And I'm open to correction. What was it? Was it during Ryan Tubridy's reign that they started this Late Late Country special? I, I don't remember Pat Kenny doing a late late country special and it just doesn't sit with me that he would be comfortable doing a show like that. Uh, Ryan, tu- Ryan Tubert, he certainly got on well with it. So people will watch to see there'll be a curiosity factor as well on top of the the tens of thousands of people who love country music who will be tuning in on Friday night. But you would expect, he should be expecting to get a little bit of a bounce and his viewing figures for the country show should certainly be up on last week's uh, figures. Veronica has contacted us uh, via Twitter at C103 uh, Cork to say that the, the, this is to do with vapes and we are going to be talking about vapes and we're talking about the use of vapes and e-cigarettes on young uh, people because the Royal College of Paediatrics in this country are really, really concerned and they've issued a report in a document uh, saying we really need to talk about young people and vaping and do something about it. Veronica says they can tax other things with immediate effects when it comes to health. Yet again, we have to wait. Seeing children younger than 12 vaping and they're not realising the damage it is uh, causing. I know the Royal College of Paediatrics are going to, are calling for a complete ban on the disposable vapes because the evidence is there that young people use the disposable ones as opposed to say getting an e-cigarette that they have to charge and, you know, uh, refill. They use the uh, disposable ones and there is this call to get them to completely ban them. Now I know the government are looking at things like making it illegal to sell them to anybody under the age of 18. But really, realistically, is that going to be enough? Is that going to work? And I did see the finance minister uh, saying that he, there, he's flagging that there's going to be a crackdown on vaping in the budget. And this is to do with all of the concerns around their use and the possible effects that it's having on uh, people's uh, health. The, the, the government have plans and they are looking at banning disposable uh, vapes. But it's now looking like the finance minister is going to try to use the budget to curb the use of the non-disposable devices they would be the e-cigarettes so whether they're going to start introducing taxes on it uh, only time will tell I do know um, the worry with vaping there will be a number of people listening who are vaping now and who were former smokers who will say please leave the vapes uh, alone because it got me off cigarettes and I'm feeling better uh, because of it but there is a worry and a danger that if young people take up vaping young people who never smoked before, the danger is that they will flip between vaping and then move on to cigarettes. There's also evidence there that you've got people vaping and uh, smoking uh, cigarettes and of course we in this country, we've been trying for decades uh, to try to get people to give up uh, cigarettes and there's been a huge plan for at least the last 10 years that this country would become tobacco-free by the end of this uh, decade. And tobacco-free uh, would mean less than 5% of the population are actually smoking. Now, we're a long, long way away from that. And the Health Minister, Stephen Donnelly, uh, this week, uh, he also wants to ban the single-use e-cigarettes, uh, and the, uh, the vapes. But there's also been calls that a single cigarette should be priced at one euro to try to deter people and try to force people to give up uh, smoking. Because we do know when cigarettes go up, there is a proportion of people who will go, that's too much. I'm not going to pay that anymore. So there has been a call on the government to bring a 20 pack of cigarettes to 20 euro. So basically you will be paying a euro per cigarette. There will be smokers who will say it can go to any figure. I can't give up. I've tried giving up because we know how addictive uh, nicotine is. And that's where the worry with the vapes are because they contain uh, nicotine. There is speculation that certainly there will be some kind of a price increase on cigarettes in the budget. Uh, that will be announced this day, week now, next uh, Tuesday. But it is there are talks about uh, putting increasing tax on the e-cigarettes to try to deter people from taking that up. Only time will tell. eight one eight one oh three one oh three. We are going to be discussing it though in more detail. We're also going to be discussing roads and the state of roads in Cork uh, on the program today with a call on the Taoiseach to say to look at look at our roads and say, come on, we're not getting our fair share when you compare us to other counties around the country. Tom is in Bantry he said the road leading to Reenraar East in Bantry is what he describes as destroyed it has to be uh, the worst road in the Bantry area and it leads to about 250 houses so it isn't just leading down to one or two houses. Tom says he's spoken to the council numerous times nothing has been done. The, the worst stretch of it he said is about 100 metres and yet nothing has been uh, done. So Tom is glad to hear that we are talking about roads and what can be done to get more money put into the Cork roads. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three today and indeed right across this. This week we are giving tickets away to Funderland because Funderland is coming to Cork this autumn. We've got passes and tickets to give away every day and the prize every day is for you and two of your friends to go along to Funderland. We Later on in the programme I'll give you two possible names of a Funderland ride. One of them we've made up and one of them is correct and you've got to identify which is the correct one to go into the draw and you could win a a ticket for yourself and, and bring along two of your friends and passes for Funderland uh, Autumn and Funderland is at Creamfields and Tremor Road open every night from 10am with free supervised parking We'll do that later on Now as we had spoken about yesterday it was expected that the trial of the man accused of murdering Ashleen Murphy in January of last year was to get underway at the Central Criminal Court Our man on the ground is Andrew Louth who uh, once again uh, joins me this morning Good morning to you Andrew
2: Good morning, Patricia.
1: Now, can you outline to us what happened yesterday?
2: I can, of course. So, um, obviously this, as you said at the top of the piece, this concerns uh, the trial of Joseph Pushka, a 32-year-old man of Linley Grove in Muckling County, Offaly, and he is accused of the murder of schoolteacher Ashling Murphy, who died while she was out for a run along the Grand Canal in Tullamore on the 12th of January 2022. And his case was uh, a uh, came up before the Central Criminal Court uh, yesterday, and there the court heard that there was a requirement for a pre-trial hearing, which was agreed between both the prosecution. Barrister Amory Lawler for the DPP and the Defence Barrister Michael Bowman, for his senior counsel. This is due to last two weeks, and the Defence Counsel Michael Bowman said all in. So, between pre trial and the trial itself, it will take six weeks in total. The case was adjourned by Justice Paul Burns yesterday afternoon, and it then came before his colleague, Mr Justice Paul McDermott, at around two o'clock yesterday afternoon. And there he assigned Mr Justice Tony Hunt to oversee the trial and also ruled that uh, pre-trial proceedings were to begin before Justice Hunt tomorrow morning.
1: And do we know uh, why a pre-trial and what happens at a pre-trial?
2: so pre-trials are a relatively new concept and they came into effect in law last year. So it's essentially where the defense and the prosecution in the absence of a jury go over any legal issues that are likely to arise in a trial itself and so like, like to make the comparison uh, you might be familiar you and your listeners might be familiar to legal arguments so this is when the judge sends a jury back to the jury room the defense and the prosecution trash out legal issues a judge makes a ruling the jury returns and then the trial proceeds and in these proceedings we as reporters can't actually report or discuss on any of the legal arguments so pre-trial hearings now they allow for both sides to trash out any of those legal issues before the trial actually begins so the aim for this is to allow for a faster smoother more efficient trial process and Mr Justice Tony Hunt as I outlined he was assigned to this case and he will hear the pre-trial hearings uh, from tomorrow morning
1: so will the press be allowed to report on the what happens at pre-trial?
2: No, it's no. the exact same as legal arguments. So it's heard in the absence of a jury. So um, therefore, anything that's heard in the absence of the jury is uh, can't be reported on.
1: Was Joseph Pushka in court yesterday?
2: No, he didn't appear in court yesterday. He wasn't arraigned before the Central Criminal Court. As I outlined earlier, there was these um, discussions uh, between uh, his uh, barrister, Michael Bowman, and uh, he was outlining that, uh, you know, there will be a requirement for a two week pre-trial process. So whatever it is they need to, whatever legal issues they need to kind of iron out, there's, there was no indication even in court yesterday as to what they are. And there's not going to be any indication until they start. So that will start tomorrow. And um, after that, then, is likely when the trial will uh, itself will open. And Michael Bowman himself said that that's likely to take, well, all in between the pretrial and the trial, that's likely to take six weeks. So deducing from that, it could be up to four weeks that the trial itself will take.
1: Was there a big media presence, Andreas?
2: There was, yeah, as there is in um, in that courtroom, because there is not just um, the case of Mr. Yosef Pushka, in um, in the courtroom, but yesterday morning there was about eleven court cases on the ticket for uh, Mr Justice Paul Burns to kind of go through, and a lot of those were were adjourned to yesterday afternoon uh, before Mr Justice Paul Mcdermott to assign various ju- to assign judges to various different cases and hear of any. Any potential last minute hitches or whatever the case may be.
1: Yeah, but I think be, uh, there's a huge interest, isn't there, in Ashleen's uh, case? Because it was a case, I think, th- there's very, there's, I wouldn't say there's anybody in the country who doesn't know the name Ashleen Murphy and what happened to her. So there's a, going to be a massive interest in this case.
2: And it will start in about two weeks' time once the pre trial hearings are over. So, like, the family of. Ashing Murphy. They will be anxious to get this underway. So too will the family of the accused, Mr. Yosef Pushka. So um, there will obviously be a lot of desire to get this out of the way, but hopefully once the pre-trial hearings are over, that will lead to that, the aim of that smoother, more efficient Mm. process.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what everybody wants. Okay, Andrew, so we won't talk to you for until about two weeks' time, uh, but in the meantime thank you for that and uh, we appreciate your contributions over the last two days.
2: No problem. Patricia. Thanks, Amelia. Thank
1: bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, our reporter Andrew uh, Louth, who was at the Central Criminal Court yesterday, but with the pre-trial now, it'll be two weeks before we hear anything more from uh, the Ashleen Murphy murder trial. And once again, as we did yesterday, you can't help but think of her poor family and uh, what they have been going through and what they will go through over the next number of weeks. Now, the Faculty of Paediatrics at the Royal College of Physicians of Ireland are strongly supporting the introduction of legislation to ban disposable vapes to protect the health and well-being of children and young people. Professor Louise Kine is Dean of Faculty at the College and Louise joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Louise.
3: Good morning, Patricia. uh, Thank you for the opportunity to discuss this topic.
1: Well, listen, thank you for taking time out to talk to us because uh, it's an issue that I tell you a lot of our listeners really do have concerns about. I, and is that where you and your, your other members are coming from? Are you just concerned that so many young people have taken up vaping and are using these disposable vapes?
3: Definitely. Um, we see it, you know, the paediatricians, uh, you know, see it Um, More in the community, in our clinics, Um, parents are highlighting it to us as well. And um, we know this is the trend is up. Um, This is worldwide. We're not alone in this. Um, And we know that the disposable vapes are cheap, colorful, available everywhere, but they are addictive. And that's because obviously they contain nicotine, uh, the psychoactive component of vaping. Um, which is addictive and it has a potential neurotoxic effects on the brain. And um, we are aware of that and um, we see the children using them, you know, young adults using them very often. And they're associated with impulse control, potentially mood issues, anxiety and lead to potentially further addictions. And there, there is data now, and obviously this is a factor um, that is coming to the forefront, is that the, the, the data is showing that uh, the numbers are going up and that um, if you start they uh, think uh, that there's a three to five-fold increased risk of transitioning to tobacco smoking. And uh, obviously... That's a problem for the future. Yeah, and I think,
1: I think, and I think whenever we discuss and have discussed vaping on the programme, that's always comes up as, as the issue. The big, big worry is it's a gateway to cigarettes. And it just seems so unfortunate that yes. some young person who didn't entertain cigarettes and didn't want to go anywhere near cigarettes would suddenly transition from the vapes to a cigarette. That's
3: right. Um, and when they start the vaping, uh, you know they are quite trendy um we know that um there's a nine fold increase since twenty twenty one of the number of uh people using disposable vapes um going from seven percent in twenty twenty one to seven to seven percent to seventy percent this year you know that's their preferred device the disposable vape. And Northern Ireland recently had a study and their number was even up to 85% for the 11 to 16 year olds. So they like the disposable vapes, they like the colours. And digital marketing campaigns that use uh, social media platforms are very powerful. They disproportionately target young people and make vaping very desirable. And in addition to that, the manufacturers have flavours that definitely entice the young people. And, you know, they seem quite exciting Um, Now, obviously, that's the health issues, uh, some of the health issues we see, but there's obviously the environmental issues as well. And um, certainly, the the product design is inherently unsustainable, difficult to take apart, to recycle. Obviously, you can do it, but it's very expensive and and, uh, time-consuming, but it is there. But we can all see, and parents tell us, you know, uh, contributing to litter, there's fire risk, and... um, You know, obviously, it hazardous if it leaks into the environment. So... From the, I suppose, the young people's perspective, obviously the environment is important, and we need to protect and prioritise children. We yeah, and the,
1: and we know there's so many young people, you know, with Greta Thunberg leading yeah. the charge. So many young people, and it's fantastic to see so many young people uh, worried about the uh, environment. So I think that's one way of targeting uh, young people, because I've spoken with countless numbers of tidy towns groups who talk about every yeah. single time they go out to do a litter pick, they're finding more and more of these disposable yeah. vapes and if you look yourself if you go for a walk anywhere yeah. you see them on the ground
3: yes and in there was a study within England the ash the action on smoking and health and they know that you know in England 50% are discarded you know and i know that they you can uh, discard them um, in, in proper waste disposal but um, they but know people do are, are not doing that yeah and and in the early teenage years, um, they have choices that impact their health. Um, and I suppose we need to equip them that really these, these aren't good. These vapes are posing a health challenge and are environmentally damaging.
1: Do we know at this stage, because they still are relatively new in the scheme of things. Do, do, do you know at this stage, Louise, what are the long term health effects?
3: Well, we haven't got the the um, the full. I suppose we time will tell. They're they're new, and we we haven't got that part. Uh, you know how long down the road. You know with you know I suppose with cancers and with tobacco, we're we're, we're very well informed now. But we do know that um, the studies that have been done so far have shown increased risk with um, with uh, coughing, wheeze, exacerbation of asthma. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously for more the adults, obviously chronic lung disease in due course, but time will, sh- will tell on that because the aerosols have toxic substances uh, present in them that have the potential for heart and lung complications. And uh, while it's not quite the same um, as the tobacco, uh, we still feel it's they're still dangerous for their health.
1: Yeah, and when you think back to tobacco campaigns, uh, Louise, yeah. when they first came out in yeah. in the 30s and 40s, you know, they, they almost promoted them as being, uh, being good for people's health. But in fairness, they didn't realise at the time no. just how dangerous. And that's always been my fear with vaping. Uh, you know, are we in 30, 40, 50 years going to look back and say, oh, well, we didn't know how dangerous they were?
3: That's right. And I think that's why we're... Um, uh, we're concerned too because we don't know how dangerous they are but we also know that the transitioning or the gateway into uh, smoking is uh, a huge concern and that's what the data is showing all around the world.
1: Now the government have spoken uh, spoken about banning the sale of vapes to under 18s. Yes. Are you saying that's not that's not enough?
3: It's not enough. I don't think so because in, in Northern Ireland as I was saying the study there they have it banned up until eighteen but their numbers are still going up and they're even, as I said, 85% are uh, their their preferred device is the um, uh, disposable vapes. So certainly now tobacco, we are, uh, you know, our College of Physicians have a policy group and they've been very active with regard to um, the tobacco and they would uh, agree as well as do us. We'd even put it for, further to 21. But I think, the risk is you've got black market. They, mm. they know other people can buy it for them. Uh, but you do need strong legislation on advertising and marketing of them if it is to work. So that's going to be the hard bit. How do you manage so that, that, that they don't sell them to under 18s? But that be that is a huge challenge, and I don't think it will be enough. And I think we do need a ban on the disposable vapes, and I suppose we're focusing on the disposable ones. Ban of the use of flavours. And obviously, as I said, stronger legislation looking at um advertising and marketing. Um, but we do have to promote education i mean that's that's, that's the, the, the bottom line for for uh, young people and um I mean they're starting at eleven twelve so you know they're moving to their teenage years, and um first of all, I suppose we educate ourselves so that we can um advocate for them and obviously promote research. You know, on the long-term effects of vaping and what is the progression to traditional uh, t- tobacco use. And to be fair, the HSE have done. Um, uh, uh, they work a lot with the Department of Education, trying to implement uh, programs that are you know supportive for and, and um, target. I suppose the, uh, the the young person you know with regard to, for example, their the SBHC program. Um, there's lots. Of, you know, they've websites. They've um, you know, um, the school resources, know the score, they've got workshops, They've a, a, a lot of um, uh, ways of trying to highlight to the um, young person, you know, the concerns with regard to vaping. And um, we would support them in that and we would support uh, the HSE to, I suppose, consider funding for a mass media campaign on vaping. Um, because I think this is coming, you know, all around the world. We know that Australia, New Zealand. I know, you know, they have their they have banned vaping, and we'll all be, you know, watching see how um, that how they go. because yeah, in, in
1: in Australia, you need to have a prescription.
3: You do, you yeah, do need yeah. a prescription. Yeah, and um, England and uh, France are looking at banning the vapes as well. And there are countries, Canada in certain provinces, and Finland, Denmark. They have you know, change the flavourings. Now, some do leave menthol in and uh, tobacco, but um, they have looked at cutting out flavouring and seeing if that is going to make the difference. But so far hasn't been very successful but time will tell and like that's
1: we why led, we led the thing. way on the ban on workplace smoking we, sh- right. we, should, we should be leading the way on this uh, Gareth says uh, well done to the paediatricians for coming out on this one Garrett says you pass any school gate um, yeah. particularly after school and it's a plume of smoke from all of the vapes yeah. and then what about GPs uh, Louise do they need to start warning young people about the dangers particularly if they, any of them are presenting with you know chest issues
3: Some of the issues, I mean, they. I I suppose they, like ourselves, when we were at clinic, you know, you ask, do you smoke? I I must say, when I ask that, you know, if it comes up in the conversation, they uh, would say no. But, you know, when you say they they do, but they don't see it as the same thing. Um, And these educational campaigns for obviously our health, uh, like our pediatricians or other health professions or GPs, um, we're all learning. And um, I think that's important, so that you know we can give good advice when we do see them. But um, some may be when they're you know older as well, some of the more long term effects, and we're waiting to see those. But certainly, coughing, wheezing, um, uh, you know, recurrent infections, you know, that you're already seeing
1: that. Okay, and just very finally, then, what about the argument that if you ban uh, disposable vapes, uh, you won't be having smokers? Many smokers use them to quit cigarettes.
3: So, um there's a national the national um um there's a national policy in twenty twenty two on how you know, on quitting uh, smoking and uh e cigarettes are not in that because they, there's no supportive evidence that vaping is effective in stopping smoking and that there are other techniques from behavioral techniques or pharmaceutical issues that are or pharmaceutical products that can help ban you know, and that's why they work with the GPs. Um, I'm aware people, you know, Still try to vape, but they feel it's it, it's better than
1: smoking. smoking yeah,
3: um, which you know I, I can understand. Um, but the that isn't our national policy at the moment. When we try to stop smoking, we have other uh, evidence based. Uh, treatments that um, they feel work better but okay. I suppose individuals will will, will, will will use vapes as
1: well. Okay but it's a, it's a ban certainly on the disposable ones is what you're calling for at the moment. Listen Louise That's we, right. we yeah. leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks Thank for joining us. Thank you very us. much. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is Professor Louise uh, Kine who is with the Faculty of uh, Paediatrics. She is the uh, Dean uh, there um, and I can see some people saying that they used uh, disposable vapes and e-cigarettes to give up cigarette smoking it does work uh, to help kick uh, the habit number of people saying yeah get rid of the disposable ones but please leave the e-cigarettes in uh, place um, I would be lost without them says one listener and and I do know that some of the talks in the papers today with all the different kite flying that's still going on uh, to do with the budget one of the talks arising is increasing tax on e-cigarettes and the theory that the finance minister Michael McGrath is doing is that it's to deter people from using them. So we'll wait and see what comes out on that and that will be uh, this day week on budget day. People very much thinking of times past when I mentioned this morning that RTE's teletext service Airtel is uh, closing down next week after 40 years in service. Next Thursday the 12th of October it will be switched off for uh, good. Some of your thoughts, are asking people when because it's been there for 40 years. Uh, Do you remember using Airtel? What do you remember when you used uh, Airtel? Julie says her mother used to love page 501 on Airtel. What was on 501 on Airtel? It was full of holiday offers. (laughs) She used to be looking at different offers to sun locations. She never booked any. She just wanted to to read about the different countries you could go to and obviously comparing the prices, etc. It's not a lovely memory. And Karen in Bandon says she remembers in the 90s You'd go to Airtel and you check on the flights that were in and out of Cork Airport, checking to see if they were on time or not. This was because our relatives would have been flying over from England and flying into uh, Cork Airport. Karen also remembers the page number. She thinks the page number was 573. Goodness me, people have some memories that they can actually remember page numbers as well. And Liam, here's a really good one just showing how good that teletext service was. Liam says, I wouldn't have been the best reader Reader while in school. So in the evening times when I used to come home, I used to read the news on uh, Airtel and it actually helped me become a better reader. The news, by the way, used to be on page, wait for this, 103. There you go. Well done, Liam. So people with lovely memories of Airtel. And as I say, we are hearing from people who have somebody in the household who still use Airtel and they are bemoaning and saddened by the fact that it is going to be gone and gone for good. Though in fairness to them, uh, because the technology, is out-of-date technology and they're getting less and less uh, support and they're no longer supported by the manufacturer, some of the manufacturers could be gone or have moved to completely different technology. So it is very, very understandable some commentary coming into us. Firstly, I mentioned about this particular survey that's out and it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's the Irish Customer Experience Report and it comes out uh, every year. It's about 150 really at the top well-known uh, companies and people are asked to rate them and their scores and how they feel about them and I suppose one of the most important ones is do they trust them but a lot of it is based on the customer experience and if you interacted with them, how did you know how did you get on uh, with the RTE, the, the headline story that's come out of this that uh, RTE came out as the most unpopular and least trusted company in Ireland. God help RTE if they haven't enough to be battling with at the moment But some people giving examples of bad and good customer service. Deborah for example was on to say she rang an insurance company recently. It was for her car insurance renewal. Now when she was trying to work out the price she was speaking to the person on the other end of the line she said I could tell that the person who was taking my call did not really care uh, I, and when I was offered a new deal and wanted to go ahead with this I was told okay now you need to email all those details to a generic address and then someone will pick it up she said it was all sounded very very vague did our Deborah? so she got off the phone feeling a little bit frustrated and feeling that wasn't good customer service so she decided to set about and do her own uh, insurance research and started comparing the market and all of that she ended up getting a very similar quote with another company. Now the the deal was similar but she said look they obviously dealt with her much better as well. So she went back to her original provider who bearing in mind she'd been with for the last 20 years. She rang them back and said look I'm after getting a quote it's actually only a couple of euro cheaper than the quote you gave me but I'm going to go uh, with that instead waiting for the other person to say you know why are you doing that you know for the extra couple of years stay with us you're with us 20 years and she said all she got on the phone was somebody saying fine and she said I really wasn't worried about the price it was the attitude that made me switch to another provider and that's the one thing we can all do when you get bad uh, customer service I always say to people though if you do get bad customer service point it out so that at least the business has an opportunity to do something or change something uh, about it but put your money where your mouth is and you can move to, you know, whatever it is, be it a a company that's offering a service or be it a business that you're going into for for food or if you're going into a shop, uh, whatever it is. And then another listener was on about her electricity uh, company and customer service. She had to ring her electricity supplier uh, recently. The employee to whom I spoke could not have cared less or be interested in talking to me. She told me what the latest offer was. And then as far as she was concerned, her job was done. It was very much a take-it-or-leave-it attitude. I actually felt at one stage like she had me on speakerphone and wasn't really engaged in the call at all, just tuning in at intervals every now and again going, yeah, yeah, that's the offer, yeah. Very disappointing. In the end, I actually said to her that her understanding of customer service was so poor she needed retraining and that for her education I would suggest that she rings Leia, particularly if you're looking for a plan, because she could learn from their customer service which is A-rated in my Opinion. I phoned them, this is Leah, for my family's plan. I phoned up for my mother's plan, and I've also done it for two of my sisters. They are highly knowledgeable patient and also very helpful. My recent experience with my electricity company was the complete opposite. And it's interesting uh, to that texture that you should mention Leia because Leia came out in the top 10. I think they were in sixth place. They did very well on the customer service. So they're obviously one of the customers. They're one of the companies who've really invested in their staff and their staff then, because of it, are really invested in their, their customers when they come through. So well done to, uh, Leah. And in fairness, whenever we speak with, you know, anyone like Dara Cassidy from, uh, or not, not Dara from Bonkers, whenever we speak with, um, uh, the health uh, who's the guy who does that I and mean, there's so many of those experts um, Donald go- Dermot Good whenever we speak with Dermot from Total uh, Healthcare he always says ring up the provider and get them to do the work and he says they are very good at it they are very knowledgeable about the different plans because particularly when it comes to health insurance there are so many plans there the mind just boggles and even if you go online and try to do a bit of research you can get completely confused so uh, good to hear that that was a really good experience from uh, Leia. So so, yeah, and as I said, so not surprised to hear that they did well in this particular uh, survey. And then some comments coming in to do with Patrick Keelty and to do with the Late Late. James in Clawing says all this talk about Patrick Keelty. Would people ever just give him a break? It's only been three weeks that he's hosted the Late Late. Would you at least give him a number of months? So, I would love to see the people that are giving out about Patrick Keelty actually go up to RT on a Friday and do a live TV TV show just to see how stressful it is and to see how good would they be. If people are really put out about it all, I can tell you, I've old copies of The Late Late Show recorded on videotape with barn presenting i willingly make copies and send them out to people if they want to sit down and just watch, watch repeats uh, instead so there's James and give the lad a break but uh, Michael reckons the Late Late Show has had its day he reckons time to move on now he does accept that Patrick Healty is a good comedian in his own right but Michael feels having watched the first three programmes of the Late Late he's definitely not a presenter by a long shot and Michael says, without naming names, they are a breed apart. As you well know, you have to be able to develop a conversation that will lead you into what you want to get out of the chat. Another show, another... person, maybe. So that's Michael. Again, people very, very much divided when it comes to how Patrick Keelty is uh, getting on. And um, someone, John says that the people who are talking about the late late uh, show, none of the presenters, well, we've had three since, none of them would be able to hold Gayburn's coat. Never watched it since he left and never will. Okay, can I give a quick mention to a text that came in for fear that I'll lose it later on and won't see it. It's Balan Vintage 20th anniversary celebration. It's happening next Sunday, the eighth official opening, and it is at 12:30. All exhibitors are welcome. There's a perpetual cup. For the best vintage car and tractor, numerous side shows including Dog Show, Best Dressed Lady and Gent. There'll be entertainment for the children, bacon and cabbage. Oh. Uh, and there will be a raffle with great prizes. That sounds like a lovely, lovely day out along with live uh, music. There's a, rather than an entry fee, you just simply give a donation and local charities then benefit from the day. That's Ballin Vintage 20th anniversary celebration uh, next Sunday the 8th. Good luck to everybody involved there. 0818
0: 103 103. C
1: 103 Jobs. Now a company called Insulux. They're expanding their teams in County Cork and they're currently recruiting for plasterers, installation operatives, that's for loft and cavity walls. They're also looking for general site operatives and window indoor installers. Call 021 4708588. A full-time person lines advisor required for a busy insurance broker in Bandon. Email applications to billy at o'neillinsurances.ie A senior beauty therapist with experience in skin and laser wanted to work in Bantry. CVs please to info at smoothbeauty.ie and a groundsman slash general operative required for a busy building site in Charleville. Now a clean driver's licence will be desirable but a safe pass is essential. 087 2400653 You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
0: Cork today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's Macroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. See MIG.ie.
1: Only yesterday on the programme, we had listeners complaining about the conditions of some of our roads, with one listener believing road conditions are contributing to accidents. Cork South Westall Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan is now calling on the Taoiseach to prioritise much needed investment in Cork roads and deputy Christopher O'Sullivan uh, joins me good morning to you, Christopher hey Patricia would you ag- agree with the caller uh, Christopher who contacted us yesterday who feels substandard roads can and do lead to traffic accidents
4: yeah that's a that's a simple fact that's a, a well-known fact and many uh, published researchers have have uh, made that link between road conditions and accidents and I think that plays out Uh, with the situation that we have in in Cork County Uh, and even the Taoiseach when I brought it up with him last week uh, in in leaders' questions um, he agreed that uh, obviously there's many contributors to Um, road deaths and and incidents on our roads. Uh, Obviously driver behaviour is a a big part of that and and, and that's the message that we need to get out, that people uh, do need to be careful and take their time. Um, But road surface, road condition, lack of adequate road network is a huge contributor to um, incidents and that plays out in Cork and and I think that the reason, I'm certainly not the first TD to call for extra funding for for County Cork. In, In fact, uh, in my time as the council it was um uh, you know at every meeting we talked about road funding and cork has always um fared out less well than any of the other counties but i think the the stat that really struck me when when i when i was researching this was the fact that cork county had the mo- uh, most road fatalities in 2022 at 14 wow. and 11 of those uh, were in the western division so that's that, that's done by gary but the western side of the county and that plays out because if you break it down, um, if the county into regions, certainly the western part of the county, obviously it's it's an awkward geography. You've got a lot of peninsulas, you've got a lot of mountainous areas, but um, it, 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 11 of those 14 that's were in the western division, so it's really concerning. Um, we have added to that, we have the longest road network uh, of any county. We pay right up there in terms of Uh, the uh, contribution that we made to road tax were, um, I think, second uh, in the country in terms of how much we pay um, per vehicle. Um, uh, Yes, despite all of that, we are third from bottom when it comes to allocation for our road network. And
1: why, do we know why that is?
4: It's it's a very good question and something that, that I'd love to get to the bottom of, but more than getting to the bottom of it, I just love to see it rectified once and for all. I would love to see us bring us up to that average Um, At at the moment, staggeringly, we're in €1,000 per kilometre less um, than the average. So we're much further behind the top uh, counties. But if you take the average, we're um, €1,000 less. Uh, It's been that way for for many years. Obviously, um, uh, pre-Celtic Tiger era, the the road allocation that Cork was getting was quite favourable. We were doing well. But since then, we've never, ever um, addressed that imbalance. While other counties have... Uh, managed to come back to that pre-Celtic Tiger uh, level of funding. We haven't as a county. Um,
1: so this I'd is more than just us simply saying, well, we have the largest uh, road network uh, and uh, therefore we're just never going to be able to get around to all the roads. This is more than that.
4: It is, uh, and uh, like, and I think in fairness uh, to any public rep who's made this call, it's always been just bring us up to the average, bring us up to the average, and we're not looking to be... Uh, you know, we're not looking to get the most per kilometer. We're just looking to get brought up to the average. Yes, we do have... the, the most roads we have a an extraordinary amount of roads. I mean, you know, it's it, it's it's taken me many years of being a, a public rep, travelling roads and calling to houses and calling to people to to get to know my way around West Cork, for example. Uh, and we do have more roads than, than than other counties, and they're in kind of difficult to, to, topographical areas where the geography isn't always favourable. The rock formation might be difficult in terms of trying to control running water. But you know, and, and we're not looking for for motorways here. We're not looking for um, massive, uh, uh, you know, multi-billion-euro infrastructure um, projects. We're just looking for road maintenance for the for the surfaces of um, our main thoroughfares, our main roads. Start there, you know, start with roads like the N71. Um, I mean, this is, I don't know how many delegations now have met uh, different ministers for transport in relation to the N71, which is the main um, artery into West Cork. Yes, uh, time and time again uh, we come we come back empty-handed, and that has to change. Obviously, I've, I have a role as a, as a TD for the area in the government party to to convince my government colleagues and and the minister for transport um, that it's high time now that we invest in 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 Cork roads, roads like the N71 or regional roads, which are also underfunded, regional roads that connect many of our main towns like. Dumanuay to Bandon or Clannacilty to Dumanuay or uh, Kinsale to to Clannacilty, these are all roads that have been historically underfunded and people are are fed up I mean, uh, whether it's through social media or just into my constituency office I can safely say that Road networks and investment in road networks are up there. with top three in terms of the workload that we deal with. just I
1: often wonder when, when people arrive in Cork, particularly those that say hire a car out of Cork Airport and then you know, travel around to the highways and byways as, as people are prone to doing and you know, enjoying a good stay in Cork. I'm often wondering when they're handing the cars back, a lot of those cars must be damaged. They must be getting hammered on the insurance when they hand the cars back.
4: It is. I mean, I, I think we would be uh, the, many of us who have spent our livelihoods driving Cork roads become quite used to it. Uh, you almost become um, immune, or you, are you, are you, you're kind of dulled to the fact that these roads are actually not in a great condition. It's only when you travel to other parts of the country mm. uh, and you travel on those smooth services that you realise, okay, there's definitely an inequity here. So but you can imagine it, it the shock be, that. Yeah. A tourist to yeah, Cork Airport to
1: rent Councillor Declan Hurley says delighted to, uh, to hear Christopher O'Sullivan on the programme today calling for more funding for our crumbling road infrastructure. It's no secret that our roads need substantial investment here in Cork. It's proven that €273 million Euro has been lost to Cork roads since 2008. What does Christopher think when the Minister has ignored several requests from Cork County Council to meet with them? I have no confidence in the Minister in giving us any extra money for the Cork Roads because investment in our regional rural roads doesn't seem to be on his agenda.
4: I, I think there, there seems to be an approach that the, the current minister uh, is taking. Um, obviously, it's clear to anyone right across the country. We need investment in things like public transport. We need investment in cycling infrastructure and walking infrastructure. Um, that's good. Uh, you know that that makes sense. We have we we lag far behind other countries when it comes to investment in public infrastructure and, and our walkways and our, our cycleways. I think that works in urban areas. I think that type of investment. Is, is better suited to places like you know Dublin, Cork, uh, Galway, Limerick, where there is potential for um, a massive improvement in public infrastructure. Unfortunately, and I think this is perhaps where uh, the current minister is missing out is there seems to be that disconnect with the regional parts of Ireland, with places like West Cork, where we're never going to have, unfortunately, as much as I would love to see it, we're never going to have a return of of something like the West Cork Railway. We're never going to have a Lewis. We're never going to have a Dart. The most we can have is an improved bus network, which we are improving. So without that, unfortunately, the reality for for us, and it's something that we've all realised a long time ago, in places like West Cork, the only um, feasible and practical way of getting from A to B uh, is is using your or using your vehicle and I think that's something that's missed out so it's great to see extra funding go into you know uh, greenways and into public transport that's fine but in places like West Cork and in the regions that funding has to be increased for our road network Give us because the that's, that's the And you you mentioned you mentioned the impact in terms of the damage to cars and car wear, and yet people are paying forking out thousands and thousands per year in terms of damage done to tires and and done to the bodywork of their car. But let's not forget the main reason where we need improved uh, road surface and, and road network it's safety it's safety 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 it's trying to reduce uh, those deaths on the road and, and there's this talk of reducing speed limits which I think is is, is pretty ludicrous at the moment because a blanket speed limit reduction uh, across our national road so for example if you bring, it, if you bring the N71 from 100 kilometres down to 80 it doesn't achieve anything because in most parts of the N71 you can't achieve those kind of speeds anyway mm-hmm. I'm all for introducing speed limits where appropriate and then black spot areas where we, we we know that accidents happen, but you know that that's a, it seems to me to be a kind of a bit of a cop out. The best way that we can improve safety on our roads is 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 increasing uh, funding and you know projects like, for example, completion of the abandoned bypass, something that has just dragged on and on and on for years, and there's little bits of funding come for different feasibility studies. You know the the that they were the, the way that that a project like that would reduce congestion within a main town like Bandon would be phenomenal and there's other projects along the N71 uh, near New Mills, You a know, series of dangerous dangerous S-bends where we've we've seen several accidents you know, we, they're, they're, that's what we need to focus on so this budget in. is, is, is right. the time to do oh, that, oh, that oh, and, and,
1: and then you, you put all this to, to the Taoiseach, uh, what response did you get to your call to prioritise funding for Cork?
4: Yeah, in, in fairness, in a long-winded answer, uh, his finish was he, the finish of his answer was quite positive. He did agree that Cork needed more funding and that funding for infrastructure was a way um, of reducing uh, fatalities on the road. So, so that was positive. Um, obviously, uh, as Declan uh, um, pointed out there in his message, the the key, um, uh, I suppose. Actor in this, and the, and the person that this message really needs to land with is the current Minister uh, for Transport. I know he's familiar with West Cork. I know he spends a lot of time in places like Bantry and indeed Cork McSherry, where he has connections. He's well aware um, of the road network. Um, I think what he needs to be aware of is the fact that uh, public transport, we need to invest in it, but that is not going to be the answer to um, transport in places like West Cork. So we need to see investment in our roads. Um, there's perhaps a year left in this current government. We have a year really to address this. We are seeing funding increase in terms of our our, our regional and local roads year on year. I think we went from um, uh, 65 million last year for Cork County, for example, up to 71. But actually, the national road funding then has gone from 94 million down to 83. In no circumstances should um, any type of road funding uh, be reduced. So I'm looking for that to be maintained. I I know there's callers out there right around the the county who are listening who will I absolutely agree with this, uh, but it, I think time for talking is over. And I can, I
1: can also see people nominating areas where they live right across this, the, the county, uh, saying this particular road badly needs to be done up. Okay. Before I let you go, um, uh, Christopher, the, the, the map for the, the red, the EPA's, um, map for the derogation for farmers, that's going to be updated today, isn't it?
4: Yeah, and thanks for giving me the opportunity to to, to get this uh, important message out there. I know that you have so many farmers that tune into your show, uh, Patricia, uh, and a lot of derogation farmers as well, and you've covered the whole impact of derogation and how it's going to impact on farming so well on your show. So it's really, uh, thanks for giving me this opportunity. So we know that there's this famous red and white map, those... Farmers within the red area um, will be, uh, unfortunately, will go down to 220 kg of nitrates, and those outside in the white area of the county will stay at 250. But there's a lot of farmers along the border that are completely unsure of where they they land within different catchment areas. So today, on the um, gov.ie website, uh, on the Department of Agriculture section, we will see a link to the updated maps go live. This means that any farmer out there will be able to uh, click on the link and will be able to zoom in and on a, a farm-by-farm basis we'll see if they're w- within this new 220 or hopefully outside that 220 and they can stay at the 250 kg of nitrates. And an important message as well, and this is this is uh, discussions I've had ongoing with the, the uh, Minister for Agriculture, if a farmer has a parcel of land that is in any way touching the old 250 kg uh, or the 250 kg area then that parcel will remain at 250 kg so for many farmers hopefully that will provide some relief so if you most farmers have on average about five parcels of land so some parcels might be inside the new 220 but if you have a parcel of land that is in any way touching the the 250 uh, it will remain at 250 because like so there is
1: there, there is huge uncertainty there so hopefully today will give some clarification yes, and, and, and and maybe see some farmers maintain their 250 kg
4: certainly uh, Thankfully, from what I can gather, large parts of West Cork will, will stay at the old 250, but we have to bear in mind the fact that there are a lot of farmers now are at the new derogation rate and will we'll struggle and will have to completely change plans. And, and some instances, as I said before, it may be uh, unavoidable. If any farmer out there is having an issue with the link when it does go live, uh, please get in touch in my office. We have the facility here to be able to zoom in and we'll be able to tell uh, whether your land is, is in or out because um, I know there's a lot of concern out there among different farmers so thank you for giving the opportunity
1: okay. to, to get that message That's out That's a pleasure OK listen we leave it there Christopher thank you for that and we'll thank talk you. again bye-bye. and uh, bye bye that is Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan and Heidi says great to hear uh, Christopher Sullivan on the programme talking about our uh, roads we need all of the West Cork TDs using their voices for us and getting something done about the road situation in West Cork and I can see other areas of the county are also suggesting areas where roads are so substandard and I will take a look at all of those uh, comments I promise. Businesses in the hospitality sector have questioned why their insurance premiums have not gone down especially as there's been a significant drop in the number of personal injury claims. Michael O'Donovan is chair of the Cork Vintners Federation he's also owner of the Castle Inn in uh, Cork and uh, Michael joins me. Good morning to you Michael. Good morning, Patricia. And you're you're welcome. I suppose your own insurance first uh, for the Castle Inn. Have you seen any reductions of late? Uh,
5: Unfortunately not, no, Uh, Patricia. It's been uh, going up, and even this year, um, while my public liability side of my insurance came down slightly, um, my building insurance went, uh, for reinsuring my building, went up simply because I was told that the cost of materials for, uh, God forbid, anything was to happen... Uh, the building would be uh, would be more expensive, so hence my building insurance uh, went up. So my insurance went up uh, from about eight thousand to eight thousand eight hundred uh, back in March when I was renewing. So um, unfortunately, our minister uh, Jennifer McNeill, uh, um, Carl was saying recently that it's great that insurance for commercial businesses are uh, going down. Yes, for a small number, they've seen a small reduction uh, because we've been checking um, with colleagues and done a survey. uh, But for over 96% of our members, uh, they've seen no change or they've seen an increase in the last uh, 12 months. Um, But look, we're hopeful that in maybe the years ahead that we will see a slight change because the book of quantum that was there um, up to 2020 has now been... Um, uh, redone, and it's called the Judicial Guidelines, and it sets out a framework for uh, what claims are, are, you know, to be paid for. Um, And I suppose we've seen, you know, the proof of it, I suppose, is in the PIAB, which is the Personal Industries Assessment Board, you know, from 2016 to 22, we've seen the total number of claims go down by 46%. And I suppose more importantly, from 2020 to 2022, um, we've seen the public liability claims down by 36%. So we're hopeful that in the in the coming year, 18 months, when people are re- doing their renewals, that we may see uh, a reduction. But as of yet, we haven't seen any reductions from this.
1: And uh, would you have many claims against
5: uh, you? Well, look, we've been very lucky, uh, Patricia. We're in business over 100 years with my grandparents buying the bar, and we've had one claim 14 years ago. <laughs> um, that's that's all we've had, uh, thankfully. Um, but, yes, that time we did see a major jump because the day you reported to your insurance company, you have a loading against you. And when we went to renew the following year, we saw a big jump uh, in our in our premium, and... Ever since, we've never really seen a reduction, to be honest, in the premium. I've um, heard yes.
1: more people say that. I, yeah, it's, it's yes, really unfair.
5: We, we did see a slight you know, reduction, obviously, during the, the 18 months, two years that we were closed with COVID, um, because we didn't need public liability, obviously, when there was nobody going to, from the public coming in and out of the bar. So we ter- only kept our building insured, as opposed to the public liability. So we saw that was different. But year on year, from you know, 2017, twenty seventeen eighteen uh twenty one um twenty two we've seen uh, increases year on year.
1: Like nearly nine thousand euro before you open the, the front door. Can can you shop around?
5: It's very difficult for the hospitality industry to shop around because a lot of insurers have left left hospitality um over the years when there was you know spurious claims, high payouts. A lot of the the, the market a lot of the providers in the market left So there's only a handful of providers left. Um, Some have been looking at going to Lloyd's in London directly uh, through a broker, but um, in doing that, you're generally required to have a lot of paperwork, i.e. you have to have your electrical certificates up to date, um, CCTV certificates, you know, all the certificates. So by the time you get all your um certificates and all your paperwork, sometimes whatever savings you might make might be totally eroded by um by getting everything. Now from for your insurance company you have to have certificates but generally speaking um the certificate lasts a couple of years so you don't have to be doing it year on year uh those certificates so Um, if you change a company they'll want this new again so um, that's where the costs are are, are incurred
1: And would Um, would insurance costs Michael do you reckon be part of the reason that some publicans are are closing and and leaving the industry?
5: Oh absolutely It's, um, it's, it's just getting you know the costs of doing business in this country are just going upwards and upwards so you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a contributing factor to decision to uh, to, to, to leave the industry um, with, with, along with the other costs. But, look, insurance is, a, is one of the very high costs every year. Um, you know, some, some people can be paying six-figure sums for their insurance uh, premium if they're the bigger bars. So it's, a, it's an astronomical amount, and a big percentage of your your outgoings every year is always your insurance premium.
1: I saw the Alliance for Insurance Reform who we've spoken with many times on the programme and we know they're a collection of businesses and and other uh, organisations they're always highlighting the negative impact uh, of high premiums I mean they uh, came out this week and they are very much calling on the government to apply pressure on insurance companies and brokers to pass on the savings because there are savings being made
5: Yeah look, it's, I think more so it's the insurance companies that are making these you know you know you see what their reports to their shareholders um I think that's where the 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 bottom line uh, lies with it. it's the like the broker only gets really a percentage of the premium uh, for doing their work it's the it's the insurance companies themselves the reinsurers they're the ones that are making the 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 money out of this I think at the at present time
1: okay um it's budget day this day next week we'll be getting ready to. With our popcorn to sit down and watch the budget speech, what what are you hoping for for your industry, Michael?
5: Um, look, I suppose we were one of the big things we're hoping for is excise. it would be reduced. We've been flagging it for a long number of years. You know, we're the second highest in Europe for excise and alcohol. So, it would be um, we've been looking for a seven and a half percent reduction in that to bring us in line with Europe. Um, another thing would be, you know, the employers' prsi. Um, it's very high here. Uh, it's it's a real cost on the business. So um, we'd be hopeful that the government would have a look at those two areas. Um, you know, the thirteen and a half percent VAT rate that went up in September. Uh, we'd be you know asking them, but I think it's more aspirational um, that that might go back to nine percent. I think it's, it's highly unlikely that they're probably going to increase it in September uh, and reduce it in October, but look uh, we can hope for it uh, because it would be a, 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 it's, a, it's a huge cost people will see now in November in their VAT bills when, they're when doing they start the to pay it
1: I, uh, did, I did hear the the notion being floated that you split you put the because everyone points to the hotels and price gouging and again uh, hotels here in Cork will <coughs> say it's not us particularly the ones in the rural areas they'll say it's the ones in, in Dublin City but I did hear a call and I know the restaurant association were part of the call to split it into two gr- groups Leave the hotels in one group and if you want to leave them at thirteen and a half percent and then put all the others at nine. Would you be in favour of that?
5: Yeah, look there there, there was an ask to put the accommodation at, thir- at 135 at thirteen and a half and put food at nine, but I think um from our information revenue have come out totally against uh, doing that, even oh. though you know, if you're if you're getting your car serviced it's uh the, the, the VAT bills are are split, you know, you you'd have your labour at um, at the higher VAT rate, and the, the parts are at another VAT rate, so it's uh, it, it's done in other industries. We've we've asked, but um, the revenues seem to be against the the idea of splitting the hospitality VAT rate. Um, unfortunately, because look, as I said, November a lot of places will see a huge jump in their VAT bill from what they've been paying under the nine percent compared to the thirteen and a half percent. So, you know the. We're, as I said, we're hopeful that it might be re- reverted, but um, it's, it's aspirational, I think, at this stage.
1: And electricity is still an ongoing issue, big electricity bills?
5: It is, um, and look, as we head into the winter, I suppose, the last four or five months, we ha- we have, to be fair, seen uh, reductions in the, the rates coming down of electricity and gas. Um, but obviously, as we go into the winter and people will be using a lot more electricity, a lot more gas bills the bills will start rising again and look we're we're hopeful that there'll be a total restructure of the energy support scheme because what has been there really hasn't worked um, it's it's just so cum- uh, cumbersome for people to uh, apply for it and the levels that they're getting out of it are actually a lot lower than what people are expecting um, so the there, there's there's only I don't have the figure in front of me, but it's still a very small uh, uh, figure compared to the figure that the government had put into the scheme, and um, that was drawn down in it because it's it's just so difficult to get access to it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Listen, uh, Michael, we leave it there. Thank you for that, and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. No problem. Uh, Good morning, Patricia. Good morning, to you. That is uh, Michael O'Donovan, chair of the Cork. Vintners Federation. is also owner of the uh, castle. Uh, in my goodness, an, an insurance bill uh, for for nine thousand euro before you even switch on a light. It uh, it really is it, it is tough, tough on uh, businesses. As soon as you mention road and conditions of roads, as uh, uh, we did during my chat with uh, Fianna Fáil deputy uh, Christopher Sullivan, we end up getting a flurry of calls and texts in from people highlighting individual roads and coming up with solutions and what can we do about our roads, Joe was on to say he describes Charleville as a no-go area with some of uh, the roads particularly on the Kilmallock side going into Charleville you can end up parking up towards the graveyard with the lack of parking and the volume of traffic on the road. They need to continue with their protests to ensure Charleville gets a bypass. Now so that's to do with the volume of traffic is what Charlie, uh, what Joe was talking about in uh, Charleville. Yeah, if you drive through Charleville, it just feel like you're permanently in a car park and that's to do with the, the huge, because it's a main road, it's the main uh, cork to Limerick and on up into Galway Road. It takes a huge, huge amount of uh, traffic uh, every day. Somebody says Bring back the man with the shovel. He'll get the water off the road, and that's from an ex councilman who often contacts us whenever we're talking about roads. And actually, that ex councilman. Uh, you'll be delighted to hear Mike in Bantry is backing up your text by saying Patricia hi the roads in West Cork are so bad why because of the constant water on them there's nobody clearing the dikes on the road is it simply because Cork County Council don't have enough outdoor staff well I think I take it the ex councilman who used to work in the councils will say yes what happened was there was always a man with a shovel and he knew the dikes in his particular area and he went out and in advance of every any storm Storm, but even they didn't even wait for storms; but they were constantly clearing those dikes. And they get a report of that particular dike is full, and they'd be down, they'd be clearing clearing them out. But of course, when many of those gentlemen retired, they simply weren't uh, replaced, and and were suffering now uh, from it. Hi, Patricia, enjoying the show. Thank you, listening to that TD. That was uh, Christopher O'Sullivan on about roads. The N seventy one is the main road from Bishopstown to Kenmare and Skibbereen. From the service station on. Okay, Skimmerine from the service station on the east side of the roundabout to that first roundabout. I would describe it as being like a back road. It's something you'd see in a third world country. It is a total disgrace. We seem to have plenty of money in the, exple- in the exchequer to splash out on overseas issues and to neglect in other parts of the country and other parts of the world. Yet we have greenways and bike lanes. They are in better shape. We need to get back to basics when it comes to looking after our roads. Okay, that's just some of your calls and comments coming in. Let me take a look at calls and comments that are coming in. And I want to congratulate. Three girls that I've just been uh, told about who were representing Ireland and they've just won silver medals in the UK. The only Irish, I'm told, to win a medal. Now, it's an international competition, it's an international gymnastic event called Acro International. I have to say, it hasn't been on my uh, radar. But these three young girls have just won silver medals. They train three and a half hours a day, five days a week. They don't get any funding whatsoever, even though they were picked and they are on the Irish team. All expenses are paid for by their parents. And two of the girls are Inishannon Shannon natives, Ellie Keane and Chloe Kelly. They're both from Inishannon and they attend the Convent School in Bandon. I don't have the third name of the girl, so maybe she's not uh, a local girl. But somebody was on to say, would you just ever give a mention to them? Because it is an international gymnastic uh, event and they were the only Irish winners on the team. So congratulations to Ellie Keane and to Chloe Kelly at the Accra International Cup. It was uh, recently held in uh, Sunderland and it is part of the international, uh, it's an international gymnastics event. So I think it's a great, great achievement and what incredible commitment from the girls three and a half hours a day five days a week and a commitment from the parents because anybody who knows if a child is involved in any sport with training it's the dropping them and collecting them and and, and I'm assuming that there's the diet has to be right and what they're eating has to be right that's a big big commitment on top of the expenses having to be carried by the parents uh, as well so Ellie Keane and Chloe Kelly will make a note of their names and who knows they may represent Ireland and could come home one day with Olympic medals which would be terrific 818103103 103 103 we've been talking about customer service on the programme when I mentioned that this new report is out it comes out every year it's the Irish customer experience report and about 150 companies it's all the big big companies and people are asked for their opinions on the, the company on their customer it's a customer experience score and they're asked do they trust uh, the company um, and unfortunately the big Headline, and that the reason it's getting so much attention is um, RTE came out as the most unpopular and least trusted com- company in the Irish customer experience report for this year and that has led other people then to talk about interactions they've had with com- companies and you know some people saying that they've done well others saying no that you know a lot of our companies here do need to look at customer experience and need to look at how they train their staff and that's prompted a West Cork listener to say Patricia listening to you on about customer experience I was recently in a hospital in Cork the nurses says this listener would want to do a course in how to respect patients they do they do not appear to care about patients they only seem to care about beds I was there twice for a procedure and had to go back again but oh my god I felt the hospital was run like a zoo. When I went to A&E, the waiting time was eight hours. This is a disgrace. Irish women and men deserve better care. Is it any wonder women are going abroad for better health care? It's a joke. Keep up the good work. See, I'm very slow to point the finger of blame at uh, nurses. Nurses are literally run off their feet, be it in accident and emergency or be it on the ward. So I'm always very slow to point the finger of blame. We have a huge health crisis. I don't know what the solution to it is. because we just seem to throw more and more money into it every single year. We're going to be throwing more money and not throwing giving more money to the health service and they just, it's like a bottomless pit and we're just not getting The proper service we deserve, particularly for the amount of money that comes out of the exchequer. So I'm slow uh, to say it is the nurses because they are doing the very best that they can. On the late, Late Show and Patrick Keelty and some people knocking Patrick Keelty. Somebody wants to point out, Patricia, those people that are giving out about Patrick Keelty, they're not actually knocking Patrick Keelty. It's just he's very different to our golden boy, Ryan Toberty. God, I hope Ryan Toberti hears this. Who was loved by so many. We miss him hugely on a Friday night. He had our undivided attention and we simply adored The Late Late. Patrick Keelty is a gentleman, but it's a completely different show now. Now, some people will like it and and hopefully more will learn to love Patrick Keelty as well. But for me, we've lost The Late Late Show for good. Well, you know, if you think back to when Gay left and Pat Kenny took over similar comments were being made. When Pat Kenny left and Ryan Tuberty took over similar comments were being made. So maybe what a lot of people are saying, would you ever just give Patrick Healty a bit of time uh, please? And Mary says, would people not leave Gay Byrne, rest in peace? I think Gay Byrne would be thrilled to hear we're still talking about him after all of these years and I think his family are thrilled to hear him spoken about because everybody speaks with him um, in such glowing terms and yet the late Gay Byrne himself said for everyone that liked him He always reckoned there was five that didn't like him. There was a period of time where Gay Byrne was loved by the housewives of Ireland, but not necessarily loved by the men of Ireland for some of the topics that he brought uh, up. Uh, Thank you for your your message, Mary. Hi, Patricia. Enjoying the show. Thank you for that. I didn't realise how harshly the Irish can judge those who accept roles in our Irish institution, i.e. The late, late. To be fair, people should not be comparing Patrick Keilty after just three programs with Ryan Tuberty. Bearing in mind, Ryan Tuberty did the show for fourteen years. Or how can you compare? How can anybody be compared to Gay Byrne, who was a broadcasting legend in this country? Patrick Keilty is a nice lad who lets his guests speak, and he shows empathy to them when any emotional stories are revealed. Let's give this pleasant, decent lad. A fair chance so that he can relax into the role and give it his best shot. And I would, yeah, I would agree with you. I'm, I'm enjoying him and I'm, I'm enjoying his style of uh, interviewing. And I will agree with you. I do think he has a great level of empathy. And there's been a few, particularly the Rob Delaney one, talking about his young boy and then how Patrick was able to bring in his own story of how his brother his dad was shot dead and murdered on his brother's birthday and he was you know relaying that back to Rob Delaney who lost his little 3 year old son and the 3 year old son happened to die on Rob, his dad's uh, birthday and I thought the way Patrick Heatley handled that I thought was fantastic yeah so I'd agree with you he does have great empathy and give the lad a chance thank you for that to 0862103103 103. can I stay with TV programmes for a moment because Mary is wondering now I have to fess up and say I didn't see this programme yet but it's on I have it on the player so I definitely will watch it same tricia. I would be interested to hear from your other listeners uh, today what they thought of Anna Geary's dating program. Okay which was on RTE2 last night at half past nine. What lovely young men and women all looking for love. I can't wait to see how the couples get on and who they end up picking as their partner. I can't wait for next week. I myself have already picked the person I think would suit that young man from Bera and the girl also. It's nice to watch something which is a bit of humour for a change, says uh, Mary. There was so much on last night because that's on a nine to ten hour because I'm in the bed then by 10 o'clock that's my last programme of the night there was so much on last night that I, that I could have picked and there was so much I couldn't end up recording at all there was so much on as well and Diana Giron because I do like Anna Giron I do like her style of presenting so I'm interested in that and I know on at the same time I didn't get it last night because I opted to watch the panorama because the way they the way the BBC teased the panorama, I didn't know what the program was going to be about. So I felt I had to watch it. And Gloran and Thraw is the one that's on. It's kind of the Love Ireland version, Ireland's Love Ireland version of it. They're doing it. Uh, mixture Osquela that was on on Virgin Media. So I need to catch up on that uh, as well. But I am looking forward to seeing the Anagiri Anna dating program because the way it's been teed up and the promos that they've used uh, do make it look uh, really really enjoyable. So so did anybody watch it? Mary thought it was a gorgeous programme and she already has the partner <laughs> the partner picked for the young man. I don't want the young man from Bear and what his name is, but Mary already has his partner picked. And let us know, Mary. How the young man from Beira gets on, and that the girl you've picked was it the girl you picked from the outset? 0818103103. 103. Still getting in calls about roads. They'll continue, I think, for quite some time. Uh, Morris uh, says, listening to Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan talking about the condition of roads in West Cork. It isn't today or tomorrow that the road conditions became like that. Why doesn't he withdraw his vote from the government and see then? What he can get done for West Cork, I suppose. If he was on on the line, he would say he could get. He won't be. He's got a better chance of getting something done if he's inside in the government than being outside. I'm sure that that's what his answer would be. Thank you, Morris, for your call. And someone else wants to point. When we're talking about bad roads, this is the N72 clonbannon Cross to the Kerry County bounds. That has got to be one of the worst. Stretches of roads in the country and I'm sure people will agree, says a texter. O eight one eight one oh three one oh three. John Paul's taking your calls so you can text her WhatsApp to 086. 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary
0: With Cork County Council Delivering roads and housing Community and business supports All across the county See corkcoco.ie. Can
1: we wish good luck to Bill Griffin He's holding an art exhibition in St Peter's the Vision Centre On North Main Street Now it opens today And it will run until Saturday week The 14th of October in Ascara Parish Mission, that's facilitated by the K.V. Catholic Community. That is continuing this week right up to and including next Sunday. Now they do daily morning rosary for the early risers at 6.30am followed by mass at 7 and then the evening ceremonies start at 7.30pm. Events, events will include a healing mass, blessing and adoration etc. All are welcome to join in in any of the ceremonies. Bingo in Shambali Moore Community Centre tonight Tuesday at 8 Jackpot this week. 2,600 euro and all are welcome. And Mallow Adult Learning Centre are beginning their four week tutor training uh, course. It starts tonight at 8 in the Mallow Adult Learning Centre and that is on the top floor. Of the Mallow Parish uh, Centre, and it's Panto time in Fomoy, and for the first time since pre-Covid, the Fomoy Panto players are getting back threading the boards. Auditions are going to be held at Fomoy Youth Centre next Sunday for any adults who might be interested in joining in the fun. This year's Panto is Woody at the OK Corral, and organisers are particularly appealing for men, please, to join the cast just to go along for a chat and a meet up next Sunday are if that doesn't suit you can get further details on 087 33916
0: Cork Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's Macroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. dot ie.
1: And we have selected our winner for our Funderland competition for today, winning a three tickets and passes for Funderland autumn. It is uh, Suzanne Sheehan in Castletown Road. Congratulations to you, Suzanne Sheehan. Castletown Road correctly uh, telling us that altitude you <laughs> is the name of the Funderland ride and Longitude is something we made up because that's more a festival than a ride. Uh, well done, Suzanne Sheen in Castletown at Roach. More of those tickets to give away tomorrow and indeed every day this uh, week. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Still, let me take a look at, I do have time, some of your calls and texts uh, coming in. John on the Late Late says they need to remove Gay Byrne's voiceover at the start of the show. Do you know the way he's introducing and they took it from when he was introducing Patrick Keating when he came on the show many, many years ago. John reckons it's impeding... Patrick Keelty as the ghost of Gay Byrne will always be on his shoulder he needs to stand on his own two feet and give it time but the guests says John are very very much going to be a problem and everyone is pointed to that I mean if you are looking on social media while the show is on everybody's pointing out saying when are they going to get the big guests it's hard it's really hard and if you've got to pay big guests to come we're talking about an organisation that really is struggling at the moment I don't know if there's going to be a budget there for it or not Uh, Nuala is in McRoom. She she said everyone before the Late Late started saying it'll be great. A new presenter with the new guests. But where are the guests going to come from? There's only so much going on in this uh, country. We are a small country. Unless they find interesting stories from people around the country, that might work. But many want to see famous faces. And the trouble with that is many of those faces won't come on or be in Dublin. So as researchers and producers putting the show together, what do people think? would happen no one's fault really it's just the way it is going to be we're going to have to get used to it. we're not going to attract the big big names somebody says Patricia on Patrick Keelty his dress style is gone to pot <laughs> he was fab on night one second night he had a crisp white shirt and week three collar and tie he should keep it smart casual not stiff shirt and tie but by the way says this texter I think he's doing great okay thank you for that on Rhodes the Cork road uh, to Skibbereen is absolutely atrocious. We need to do something about that. Or just back on TV there was a text in that came in in the middle of the Thunderland once somebody says afternoon Patricia. When you're on about TV Where are all the comedians? Where are all the funny, happy shows? God knows we could all do with some lightening up and we badly need a good laugh. Are we not getting enough laughter on our TV? Well, according to, was it Mary who contacted us about the Anna Anna Geary's show last night, she reckons that's full of humour and well worth the watch if you want to try and track down Anna Geary's The Dating Show. It's it's trying to get people from the country uh, to try to uh, meet up because it can be hard if you're living in a rural area to find uh, some So that's meant to be full of humour. Could we do it more comedy? Do we need more? I'm trying to even think of what comedy shows do I watch at the moment I can. not Nothing jumps out straight away at me. I mean, I do like the the Bake Off is back, the... Great British Bake Off I love that show and that's funny and that's entertaining I do, I do like that what else do I like at the moment I love the repair shop it's, it can be funny at, at times it can be very emotional at times as well that would be another one of my faves at the moment and the celebrity SAS when we put all the celebrities through the training again not the funniest of uh, programmes but that's uh, enjoyable there's just a lot of programmes on It's we come into that time of the year you come out of the summer the silly season when there's nothing really on and there's loads of programmes and you just can't find enough time in the day. Uh, Thank you for all your texts on TV and particularly on the date late. Okay, this is something on Completely Different. Somebody says, Patricia, the decision to close on Post's sorting office in West Cork and move them all to one location in Bantry to me seems like a very bad idea. All the postmen and women now have to travel to and from that location every day which means a lot more carbon emissions. While the government are constantly telling us that they're trying to introduce measures to protect the environment, that's a good and a valid point I hadn't thought about all the extra travelling that the postmen and women uh, must uh, do and obviously it's done to is it done to cut down on staff and cut down on costs but are they thinking about the environment when we're hearing a lot about the environment that's a, a fair and a valid point thank you for your text 0862 103, 103 and then yesterday during the programme John O'Donovan in the city uh, contacted us and he was calling out the Tánis and Miho Martin for saying that the Irish Defence Forces were training Ukrainian soldiers in military uh, skills and wonder, John was wondering where did that leave our Irish neutrality stance and I said at the time that I hadn't heard Micheál Martin say it I was wondering was it something that broke while I was on air and that I need, I need to uh, look into it so I did and John O'Donovan is right um, the Tánis and Martin has defended the decision actually to allow, allow Irish soldiers to provide what he's calling basic rifle training to Ukrainian soldiers. And he's actually argued that it's on humanitarian grounds because he said it's the humanitarian thing to do to defend your own people. Uh, Miho Martin made the comments. It was during that visit yesterday to uh, Kiev for the extraordinary meeting of the EU Foreign Affairs uh, Council. Now, it comes after 30 Irish soldiers have been providing training for members of the Ukrainian Armed Forces earlier this year. It was part of the EU's military assistance mission in the UK programme. In April, Irish soldiers carried out casualty care training They did that along with German army uh, medical trainers in Germany. Um, And then a demining and explosive clearance course that was held in Cyprus that was led by Irish soldiers. That went on for four weeks and that was in conjunction with the Polish uh, army. Ireland's involvement in another round of the EU programme was approved by the government here in July and a press release listed explosive ordinance disposal and combat medical among the training being offered but it didn't say rifle drills and that's why yesterday when John John made the point of saying I hadn't heard it, I'd heard about them the demining, I'd heard about the combat medical training but I hadn't heard anything uh, that was a, a, on a military scale like rifles. It's the people for profit, Solidarity TD, Paul Murphy, he criticised the move to provide basic weapon training to Ukrainian soldiers um, at a time he said he called it a new departure in the government's breach of Irish military neutrality and I suppose that's the point that John was making yesterday. Um, And Now the Irish Times did a report that stated that rifle training would be included in the programme provided by our Irish soldiers. So Micheál Martin was asked about that yesterday and he said that marksmanship was not included in the very basic drill instruction. He he was speaking on news on RTE. He said most of the training provided by the Irish soldiers has been for casualties and has been for demining. And that's really good and important work. And he said Ireland's contribution to training Ukrainian soldiers was relative to others. He says it is very modest. But when he was asked whether drill rifle training counted as non-lethal aid, he said there was a degree of overstatement in some of the descriptions of such assistance. He says, when it was asserted it was not a humanitarian mission, Uh, he replied, it is humanitarian to defend your people. He said, there is a basic self-defence issue here that we have to be conscious of, particularly in terms of civilians who've joined the Ukrainian Defence Forces and obviously have had no uh, training. And uh, he said that, that, so that's, he said, that's where Ireland that we don't provide lethal aid to Ukraine. When asked how rifle training did not count as lethal aid, he said in the context of any group that's established to try and defend their territory, he said he would argue it is in accordance with the UN uh, Charter and he actually sees it on a humanitarian uh, ground and it is helping civilians who find themselves suddenly playing the role of professional uh, soldiers. So Paul Murphy uh, feels it is a breach of our military neutrality and I take it from the tone of the comment that we did from John in the city, he does as well. Your thoughts are welcomed.
0: You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently
1: closed. As we say, good afternoon to Joe Heffernan. How are you doing, Joe?
6: Hi, Patricia. Not too bad. Hanging in there for an old
1: guy. Doing okay. You're doing fine. (laughs) Now, you want to talk about uh, cocaine and cocaine usage. And this is all going back to the amount of cocaine. Irish people now, we are the biggest users of cocaine in the EU. And I also remember reading a report during the summer that cocaine is the most common drug for people seeking treatment in Ireland. That was a report that came out from the Health Research Board. It is a real, real worry.
6: Right. Well, just referring very briefly to cocaine, uh, I mean, the the front of the Sunday paper, major headline, half of those aged under 35 have tried cocaine, um, the poll found. But, like, what we were going to talk about then today is, like, the, uh, the lead-up to a person possibly becoming uh, a cocaine user or a drug user we would talk about the, um, the traits in a young person, like uh, the sensation seeking young person, the impulsive young person, um, the, the anxious young person, the young person with a sense of hopelessness. So that we'd be talking about, uh, call it addiction in general, um, you know, uh, rather than just focusing in on the one. Um, even though that's the one with the headlines recently. Yeah. Um, and
1: because, you know, because there's a, you know, it, it does look like there's a lot of uh, cocaine out there and seemingly it's as easy to get as going into a bar and, yeah. and buying a, a pint. It doesn't mean that everybody who uses cocaine is going to become addicted. And there's been, you know, tens of thousands of millions of people who've used cocaine have never become addicted. But what your worry and your concern are the people who are most likely to become addicted. Because, exactly. of these t- uh, because of exactly. these
6: traits. I mean, what we're talking about, what I'm talking about is education and prevention rather than picking up the pieces, hopefully, after addiction has set in. Um, you know, the schools would have a lot to do. People who know what they're talking about going into schools and talking about it. For example, um, uh, kids with low self-esteem, for whatever, ever, ever reason, and... Um, you know, the building blocks of self-esteem are a sense of security, not a lot of that going around, a sense of identity, a sense of feeling belonging, a sense of purpose in life, and a sense of competence. And, of course, um, young people in our country nowadays, unfortunately, um, you know, uh, optimism would be getting fairly scarce Um You know, we're reading it every day. People once again leaving the country, young people feeling that they will never own their own home. Um, uh, And uh, so that kind of thing. You see, addiction, well, what is it? In a way, we can compare it to cancer. Um, Cancer is, even though there are several different types of cancer, what they have in common is the uncontrolled multiplying of cells. Um, So we must understand that all addictions and the process of all addictions have in common the out-of-control and aimless searching for wholeness, happiness, and peace through a relationship with a a substance or event. The reason I say a substance or event, that it would be ranging from alcohol to gambling, Um, you know. So it isn't always um, uh, a substance. But what we need to understand is what is the objective of a person picking up drugs in the first place? Uh, They're seeking a feeling of wholeness, of happiness and peace through a relationship with the um, substance or, or, or but, uh,
1: whatever it is. And yeah, and it's it's kind of like, you know, over the years you, you would have spoken to people who became addicted uh, to alcohol and some of them, not all, but some of them uh, would have had that very insecurity about them, very shy people and suddenly they went, started taking a few drinks and suddenly, oh, they were everyone's friend and they got this confidence and they uh, almost uh, got... A, latched on to, I want to feel like that all the time.
6: Absolutely, absolutely. And the trouble is that whether uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of focus a bit on the substance, but that um, it takes more to give the same effect. And look, we'd all be doing it if it worked, but it doesn't. It leads to, um, at the you know, insanity. It leads to... Um, the loss of home, of job, of uh, relationships. Um, so it always finishes in a bad place. And that's the reason why we have the rehab centers and, um, you know, all the different treatments um, um, uh, like A A, N A, G A GA uh, for uh, people who are addicted. And like looking patricia across the uh, the the area of of addiction like um the, the in in the search for peace and wholeness in the search for the mood change bringing about the uh, the pleasure chemicals in the brain and um, the alcoholic experiences that mood change um with alcohol say so going to the pub as you said the shy person who would hardly speak in a group is now standing on the counter singing the fields of atan roy um uh you know uh, as you were saying uh, the, the, the the um all the inhibitions and all the um shyness is for the moment um uh, suppressed so that becomes then um, I, uh, I want to feel that way more often that's going to take more frequent and um, more volume of uh, of alcohol and, and that's then where that goes. I remember very, very peculiarly talking to a politician called, uh, you You remember it um, Tony Gregory? I do. The Tony Gregory in great the 80s. What, what he did for mm.
1: inner city Dublin.
6: Yeah and, and he had um he, he had this deal done with Charlie hahi and um, it didn't work out because the goo-boo thing uh, came in to kind of take out Charlie. Um, but um, it, 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 there was a belief at the time going around, Asher, um, there's no heroin in Cork. You know, that's Dublin. But that wasn't the truth. And I remember meeting um, Tony Gregory in Cork, and saying to him, Tony, this business about no heroin in Cork is false. And uh, and he agreed that, of course, it was false. But now we have the scourge of the cocaine, for example. I'm sorry, and sorry, can I just I, can
1: I tell you something that's that is even more scary? And I've been doing some uh, research just trying to educate myself about it because I, I think it's something we are going to be talking about. Is the drug fentanyl? Uh, if you look, yes. if you if you look at anything that's going on in the states with this drug fentanyl in itself, fentanyl because it's it's a it's a powerful opiate, a brilliant yes. painkiller, and it's used you know for the treatment of cancer and end of life care, and it's fantastic. Yes. But it unfortunately now. Has ended up uh, in the hands of drug dealers, and they're selling yeah. it on. And if we thought that heroin was addictive and that heroin caused problems, wait until fentanyl arrives. And the government yeah. are accepting it will arrive in this country.
6: Well, you see, what happened was that the Taliban have um, uh, they have been burning the poppy fields in Afghanistan. Yeah, and um, therefore um, the the uh, the supply, we'll call it um of um heroin has been depleted and of course the gangs and the crooks and the etc are looking for um an alternative and along comes fentanyl yeah. and um it's a manufactured uh, opioid and um Deadly, deadly, dangerous. Fifty um, times, much more, um, fifty times
1: stronger than heroin, and a hundred exactly. times stronger than morphine. And of course, the amount of people that are dying uh, from overdose. And the difference this time round is they already have the market because it's the poor heroin addicts. It'll just go straight to the heroin addicts, and they already have a market. Whereas when heroin came, they had to build up their heroin addicts. So it's yeah, it's a real, real worry. It, it, absolutely, it really is. absolutely. That's why we but, need to stop people becoming addicted before. Well, this is
6: it, and knowledge and awareness is uh, vital. So, like, we need to see where does addiction, um, what's the kernel, what have all the different addictions um, in common, like I was saying. So, you have the alcoholic experiencing this desired mood change with alcohol, uh, the food addict experiences a mood change, binging or starving. The addictive gambler experiences a mood change, placing bets on the football or on the golf, or watching and then watching the uh, the, the game, the action on the on the television. The shoplifter experiences a mood change, stealing items from a shop, and. Um, In very layman's terms, like, what people are looking for in addiction is the buzz. Like, how do I get the buzz? Now, the sex addict experiences a mood change, browsing um, porn on the Internet, um, or in a porn bookshop, or... You know, uh, cruising the red light district in a, in a in a city, and um, the addictive spender experiences a mood change going on a shopping spree. Um, I have spoken to people down through the years, um, uh, you know, who would have um, wardrobes full of clothes
1: yeah. with
6: the um, with the labels still on them,
1: and can nearly get into as much debt as a gambler would, by over- spending money that they don't have to spend.
6: Well, that that's the big thing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the credit card goes crazy. Um, there's a big lift of mood when the um, the courier are uh, on post, uh, when, when the stuff arrives, if it's online um, buying, or coming out of the shop um, with the arms uh, full, um, having... Um, having binged on on things. um, I I remember a person telling me years ago that they had, I I don't know, I can't remember exactly the number, but it was something like 19 pairs of shoes and a lot of them were still in the box and had never been worn.
1: Yeah, and people will buy multiples of, if there's a a particular jumper that they like and it comes in five colours, they'll buy all five colours and may not even wear one of them.
6: It's, That's it's, exactly yeah. it. So there you have the addictive Shopping, center.
1: yeah, shopping, but, shopping at and, it.
6: And looking for the buzz, mm-hmm. looking for the lift, looking for that, um, you know, that uh, the old pleasure chemicals in the brain um, saying, wow, this is great. What they all have in common as well as looking for the buzz is that they all finish up in a bad place, in a very bad place in some cases in debt um and you have even the workaholic who um you know gets the buzz gets the mood change by there's one other thing i can do today there's one other job I can get done there there's another job i can do there and arrives home at uh, you know uh, half 10 at night and um the the relationship is suffering um I I knew a person whose happy marriage broke up on account of it was work, 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 work. And there was very little of anything else.
1: Yeah, everybody and, else um, around. He finished
6: effective. in a bad place. Right, you so, know?
1: so it goes back to one of the, uh, I suppose, one of the most common things that all anyone who's who's likely to become addicted, it's all back to that low self esteem. A lot of it will start out from that.
6: The lower self esteem, um, the uh, feelings of anxiety that a person wants to suppress, um, and feelings of hopelessness and um, uh you know these are the um the the bedrock uh, of addiction um nobody sets out to become um an alcoholic nobody sets out to become um uh, an addict but that's where it ends in many cases and um especially with the drugs i mean um you know i've spoken to many many people who would be in serious trouble uh, with um, with cocaine, and um, you know, it, it all started off by um, you know, like you say, uh, casually nearly snorting a line. Um, uh, young people have taught me that uh, that you go into the pub in Ireland these days, and as you put it a while ago, very well that um, you know a line of.
1: Cocaine is nearly as available as a pint. pint. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. And don't forget, there's a very dark, murky underworld uh, behind, even if for people who are just using it recreationally. Absolutely. It's it's, it's a really dark world. Okay, we leave it there, Joe. Listen, have a great week. And uh, we'll talk to you next uh, Tuesday. Thank you, Patricia. Have a good week. Bye-bye. That is Joe Heffernan. Joe runs a counselling practice in Bohopui. If you think he could be of help to you, please call him at 086 That's 086 Four, five. This one says my partner's on the phone all night. It can be very boring and that's a type of tech addiction. And someone else says I'd love to meet the workaholic. Nobody seems to want to work anymore. And on bad roads somebody says please call out the matter to Killarney Road. It isn't great. On sections of that roads there's more potholes than road. Okay that's what we leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Mark Malone is in for Nick Richards right across this week so he'll join you uh, right after the news at one and I'll talk to you tomorrow at ten and so Good good
0: or afternoon. today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. C-M-I-G Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more.